Amen. And so I would like to stay in this context and stay within the book of Acts. And if you have your Bibles with me, if you don't, you can read up on the screen. Uh, Acts, amen, uh, chapter 3, verse 1 through 10. Amen. Acts chapter 3, verse 1 through 10. And we're only going to read through verse 9. Amen. If you got it, say amen. If you're with me, say amen. Amen. Now Peter and John went up together into the temple of the hour of prayer. Being the ninth hour, and a certain man lame from his mother's womb was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple. Someone say daily. Which is called beautiful to ask alms of them that entered into the temple. Who seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple asked them for alms. And Peter fasting, fasting his eyes upon him with John said, look on us. Someone say, look on us. And he gave heed unto them, expecting to receive something of them. Then Peter said, silver and gold have I, have I none, but such as I have, give I thee. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him up by the right hand and lifted him up. And immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. Uh, how many of you need to receive strength today? And he, and he leaping up stood and walked and entered in with them into the temple, walking and leaping and praising God. And all of the people saw him walking and praising God. Amen. You may be seated. Amen. It is plain to see that we are truly living in troubled times. We are living in a time where we don't know from one moment to the next what's going to happen. You can't count on the weather to be the same anymore. In winter or during the winter season, it's hot. And during the summer season, it's cold. It rains when it's not supposed to. It rains where it's not supposed to. It seems like everything and everyone has a mind of their own. People's minds and beliefs can change from one moment to the next. It's hard to count on people like we used to. They'll say something then do something completely different and then have the goal to say that they didn't say what you heard them say or do what you saw them do. It's so confusing. It's so confusing at times that you can stand back and say, well, did I not see what I saw? Did I not hear what I heard? The lines are so blurred so much today that if you're not careful, it'll make you wonder and it'll make you question. Because I have never seen so many people absolute in being absolutely wrong. They are so convinced that they are wrong that they are right. It makes no sense at all. But this is the world we are living in today. Someone say amen. These are troubling times and because the world we're living in is so unpredictable. It's so confusing that now people even question gender the debate on who can have childbirth, actual debates, fights over this. And people are so determined to prove themselves right that it's hard to pick a side or to stay neutral because your opinion and your belief won't allow you to stay neutral. It is so appalling. 
and it's, and, it, and it's so gripping that at some point you got to stand up and say what you need to say. Whether you're on the right side or on the wrong side. People nowadays don't even know what side they're on. They don't know what's going to happen next because all the absolutes are being changed. All the yeses are now becoming noes. And all the noes are now becoming yes. One thing is absolute. That we can rest assured that the God that we serve is absolute. That he will never change. That his word is the same today, yesterday, and forevermore. That his promises will never falter. And that he will never, ever fail us. Someone say amen. This is why we must be intentional in this time, in this day that we are living in. And we must be driven and focused, amen, on the task at hand. We must continue to focus on our calling. We must continue to focus on our ministry. We must continue to focus on our destiny. And we must continue to focus and fulfill the will of God. When we come to church, we must come to church with praise on our lips, worship on our minds just like we were at a minute ago. Our hearts filled with thanksgiving. We must continue to be filled with his spirit, exercising the power of God, exercising his spirit, and that we would remain in his word. Someone say amen. Because it is the word of God where I'm reminded that the world was once crazy like it is now. The world has been out of sorts before. It's where I am reminded that the original disruptors, someone say disruptors, the prophets of old, they worked against adverse conditions. Like the conditions that we experience and see today. They worked against circumstances. They had to fight for the faith and defend the faith just like we do today. They had to experience the things that we experience today. And yet, they still called fire down from heaven. They still called water out of a rock. They still walked into a city. And they turned that city upside down. Because no matter what they were facing, they knew and they understood that their calling was greater than the than the world that they lived in. The calling was greater. The task was greater than the circumstances and what they've seen and what they saw. And no matter what, they would disrupt the norm to fulfill the will of God. Come on, someone clap your hands and say amen. Hallelujah. As we continue in our series, I quickly just want to speak on the topic, disruptors. Someone say disruptors. Come on, say disruptors. Disruptor, by definition, is a person or thing that interrupts an event, activity, or process by causing a disturbance or problem. And before we get started, it's important to understand that we are not talking about a rebel or a misfit. We are, talking about be we are not talking about being rebellious or a troublemaker or disobedient. Not in that sense. But what we are talking about are a people who understand who they 
and the God that they serve. And that no matter what, they will always complete the task at hand by disrupting the norm, by challenging the status quo, by defending the gospel and fulfilling the word of God. They will continue to carry out his word no matter the event, no matter the activity, no matter the process. And therefore disrupting the plan of others and causing problems for those who are expecting the norm. To provide some context where we're at in the story, amen, it is at this time where Rome is in control of the Jews in their own land. And it's one thing to lose control outside of home. It's another thing to lose control inside your house. At the temple that was once called a house of prayer was now being used as a marketplace to sell goods. What was supposed to be a place of restoration, sanctification, and relationship was now a place of buying, selling, bargaining, and money exchanging. Did you see the absolutes change? It's no different than what's taking place in our world today. Things are distorted. It's okay to come to church and you don't got to worship God. Just come as you are and you'll be fine. Put your hands on the TV screen and you're saved and delivered. You're on your way to heaven. That's nonsense. Because that's not what the word of God tells me. That's not what the word of God says. It's the distortion and the corruption. It's the absolute. It's the truth that is being compromised in today's world, in our society today. And what God is saying is that he called the people. He called the people from a place, uh, from your disparity, amen, from your situation. And he brought you out. And he called you to a church. Uh, he called you to a church uh, at 1425 Springer Road. To run the devil out of Mountain View. To run the devil out of the city. And to run the devil out of your home. He called us to be disruptors. And in Matthew eleven fifteen and 18. Amen. When all else was failing. And everything was falling apart. Amen. And things were taking place. And chaos was erupting. Amen. You had Peter, his disciple, God's Peter, God's disciple Peter, he reverted to cussing Judas. He hung himself. And even God, seeing all of this, he weeped over Jerusalem. I refer to Matthew 11, 15, 18. And I was just to the scripture where you can see the things that were taking place. Amen, to see the things that were taking place and how God saw, amen, he saw it and he didn't stand for it. He saw it and he didn't stand for it. Amen, the Bible says that he walked into the temple. Amen, he went to every table and he started flipping tables over. He started running out the money changers out of the temple. He wouldn't allow them to carry their things back and forth to the temple because he had enough. He saw the corruption. And he had enough. He took a stand. And he had enough. And all the while, these things are happening outside of the temple. Chaos is erupting. His disciples are falling apart. And he looks around and he looks at Israel. 
And he says in Matthew 23, 7, oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem. He said, I wanted to gather your children together as hands, gather their chicks under their wings, under her wings, but you were not willing. He came to his own, and his own received him not. And at this point in time, he still had a mission to fulfill. He still had a task to fulfill. He still had to endure the long walk to Calvary. He still had to endure the pain and the agony of being whipped, beat, and beaten, and mocked, and made fun of. He still had to hang on the cross and bow his head and die for each and every one of us. And although chaos and these things are erupting around him and in the world, he ignored all of it. Because there was a greater task at hand. He saw you and I, amen, in the forefront of his mind. And he said, I know things are falling apart to the left. And I know things are falling apart to the right. But I got to continue to push. I got to continue to push. I got to make it to Calvary. I got to make it to that cross. Because I've got to hang and die so that they can live. I want you to know that he came and he disrupted earth so that we might inherit heaven. Jesus now died and he dead and he's dead and he has to come back to show himself. Because the disciples are fall, they fell apart. They're crying, they're wondering what's going to happen and what to do next. Amen. And in Acts 1, amen, he comes to them and, and, they, and they respond to God and they ask him saying, Lord, would thou at this time restore again the kingdom of Israel? Are you just going to leave us empty handed? Are you just going to leave us by ourselves? And he comes to them and he says, no. He says, no. He said, wait there. Someone say, wait there. How many times have you had to wait in your problem, in your situation? How many times have you had to sit there and patiently wait to God, crying in your pain, crying in your misery, and God is telling you, wait, don't move. How many times have you wondered, God, when are things going to change? When are things going to happen? When is something going to take place? And God says, wait, don't move. Because he didn't leave them alone. He told them to wait and not to move. He said that he was going, that power was going to be bestowed unto him. In Acts 1 and 8, he said, you shall receive what? He said, you shall receive power. Someone say power. Come on, say it like you mean it, power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and unto the most most utter part of the world. Now this brings us to the forefront of our context. I will just give you a little, amen, synopsis of what was happening and taking place. Amen. And what was taking place, the world was chaotic. Things were falling apart. God still went to the cross and he completed his task. How many of you want to push today to complete your task? How many of you want to push today to see your destiny be fulfilled? How many of you want to push today to see God's blessings and your greatness, hallelujah, manifest in your life, hallelujah? Peter and John are now coming to the temple. Amen. And that's when they run into their buddy, the lame man. And this brings us to our first point, and I'm going to try to get through these as quickly as possible. 
My first point, hallelujah, for you to remain, amen, a disruptor, for you to remain the man and women that God called you to be, for you to remain, amen, in strength, hallelujah, and in the spirit of God, to walk in his spirit, to live in his spirit, to live with boldness, hallelujah, to be encouraged, hallelujah, you must first disable your enablers. You've got to disable your enablers because as Peter and John approached the temple, they were greeted by the lame man at the gate called Beautiful. And this is where we shift our focus to the lame man. At at first we see that the lame man was brought to the gate daily. He was brought to the gate daily, Acts 3 and 2. It says that a certain man lame from his mother's womb was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful. And the lame man, amen, being challenged from his mama's belly, being crippled, if you will, from his mama's belly with his ankles broken. He was so used to being carried. He had no idea or concept of what it is or what it was to walk. He was used to being carried from one place to another. And in this case, he was used to being carried to the same place every single day. And as he became a man, he he has devised a system. And the system has caused him to surround himself with people who were enablers. Enablers support your weakness, not your strengths. Enablers are the people who carried him every day to the same place. Enablers are the people that you select to have and keep around you and keep in your life that support Your weakness. They make it convenient for you not to do better. Enablers are people that make it convenient for you not to believe that God will bring you to a better place. Someone say amen. You'll never get better as long as someone carrying you. You'll never get better as as long as you are depending for people to carry you. I would have more respect for the lame man if he was able to crawl to the gate. Because there was nothing wrong with his upper body. The Bible says that his ankles, amen, and and his feet didn't work. I would have more respect for the lame man. And I'm sure people around him would have respected him the same if they at least saw him trying. If they at least saw him making an effort. To get from one place to the next. But he surrounded himself by a group of people who carried him to the same place. And in some ways, those people were as crippled as he was. Because they are people that don't want you to get better. You know that there are some people in your lives that don't care about you. They're just nosy people. They just want to know what's going on. You don't hear from them for months. And then you, then you get the phone call one day. Oh, really? Wow. They did? What? No. No way. Oh, my God. Come on. Y'all know some people like that in your lives? They only show up when they hear that something has happened. Oh, if I were you, I would do this. Oh, yeah, uh-huh. If I were you, I would do that. What do you mean if you were me? I haven't seen you in church in a month of Sundays. I know this is a little brash. I know this is a little direct, but we need to hear it today, amen? 
Because people don't care about you. And some people don't want you to get better. Because if you got better, they don't matter. If you get better, they don't matter. People make a living off of other people's dysfunction. They feel better about themselves because they see you struggling. Oh, well, if they're struggling, oh, then I'm good. Well, if so-so's not making it, then, then I'm good. If they're not fighting, oh, then, then I'm okay, I'm good. I, I'm good right where I'm at. I don't have to do nothing. I don't have to push. I don't have to reach. I don't have to call out to God. I don't got to be in church on Sunday. I don't got to be on, in midweek on Wednesday. I don't got to read my word. I, I'm fine where I'm at. They feel better about themselves because they see you struggling, and yet they're counting on you to be lonely. They're counting on you to be desperate. They're counting on you to call them at 2 o'clock in the morning because you make them feel needed. They count on you to need them in a way, amen, in such a way, because if you don't, they lose importance in your life. As he laid there, he was being carried daily and told it's okay for you to stay this way. It's okay for you to stay hurting. It's okay for you to stay in your pain. Don't worry about it. I'll carry you off. I'll carry you home. I'll take you there. Nobody challenged him. I want to be challenged today. Amen. I want to be challenged today. I don't know about you, but I want to be challenged today. Nobody challenged a lame man. These are the people that he surrounded himself with. People that said, hey, I'm here to help you, but that's all I can do for you. People that did not point out the fact that the rest of his body worked. It was just his ankles that did it. You can do a lot more. You can go a lot further. He wasn't challenged. Amen. They didn't challenge him. They carried him. And I don't want to contradict what Brother Kevin taught us on Wednesday. Amen. When he talked about the men in Luke. Amen. He talked about the men in Luke that they had a friend. A friend that was paralyzed. Amen. And these men carried their friend. These men did the exact same thing that these people did to the lame man. They carried him. But there was a huge difference and what they did and what they were doing and their purpose of carrying their friend. They heard that Jesus was down the way at a house. And they heard that there was miracles, signs and wonders taking place. They heard that God was preaching. Amen. And people were getting healed. And so what they did, because the Bible says that their friend was paralyzed, they threw him on a mat. Another translation said they just left him on his bed. And they dragged him to that house. And once they got to the house, they tried to push through the door. They went to the front door and they started to push. They couldn't get in. The house was so packed out. They went to the back door. They tried to get in. Same thing. But what I love about these men is that they did not stop. They look back at their friend and they say, my God, he needs God more than we do. We got to get him some help. So then they look through the windows. The windows were shut. I can imagine. Unless they didn't have windows back then, but I can imagine the windows were shut closed. They tried to get it. They couldn't get through the window. So guess what they did? They disrupted 
the, the, the service. They disrupted, amen, God's teaching. They disrupted the preaching because what they did is they climbed up on top of that house and they busted a hole through the roof of that house, amen, and they started to lower their friend down into the house. And immediately the Bible says that when God looked up, because I can only imagine he was probably in the middle of another miracle. He was probably in the middle of another blessing. And, he, and the Bible says that as soon as he looked up, he immediately, he immediately forgave their friend of his sins. He didn't heal him. First, he forgave him. First. Once they dropped down, they dropped his friend down. Then he forgave them. I want you to know that these are the type of men and women that I'm surrounded by here today at City Light Church. I thank God for every single one of you because I know that if I called you and I said, hey, I need some help, I know you'll be right there for me. If I called you and said, hey, I got a flat tire, I ran out of gas, I need this, I need that, I know every single one of you would pick up the phone and say, hey, I'll be right there, I'll be right there. And in the same sense, that is what God is saying when there's a task at hand, things that we've got to do. You might not feel like doing it, but you're going to do it anyway. I didn't feel like coming to church today, but I came today. I didn't feel like testifying to my friend, but I did anyway. It's disrupting the norm because that's exactly what they did. They disrupted the norm. They brought their friend in. They didn't care what they had to do. Sometimes we ask God, what are you going to do? And God is waiting for us to do something. God said, I did it already. I already answered your prayer. I already gave you what you wanted. It's your turn. Sometimes we got to muster up the strength and the, and the courage just to come to church. Sometimes we got to muster up the strength and courage just to get out of bed. God is calling us. God is calling you and I to a greater, amen, a greater place in his kingdom. God is waiting for us to answer the call, amen, that one day we'll say, God, I'm going to do what you want me to do. I'm going to allow you to have your way, have your will in my life. Come on, somebody clap, amen, and give the Lord. Amen. A round of applause. They disrupted everything. These are the, team, the people that I want to surround myself with. Disruptors. People that don't care. You know, sometimes when people ask me for help, it always comes with a disclaimer. So, are you sure? Are you sure you want me to help you? Are you sure? Because I'm not going to pat you on the back. I'm going to love you. I'm going to love you. I'll talk with you. I'll give you the shirt off my back if that's what I need to do. I'll give you a ride. I'll lend you my car. I don't care about those things. Those things are replaceable. I truly don't care. But the one thing I will not do is I will not carry you. I will not carry you. I will not continue to disable you. But what I will do is I'll show you how to do it. I'll show you how to get up. I'll show you the things that you need to do because I came from the same place. I came out of that place that you were in. I'm familiar with how you're feeling. I know what that pain feels like.
like, I'm going to show you how to do it. I believe that that's the type of spirit that resides in this church. That's the type of spirit that resides in this place. Each and every one of us want the best for each other. Each and every one of us don't want to see each other sad or upset or sick or down and out. Every time I come to this place, I'm always greeted with a smile, with a hug, with a God bless you. How are you? Joy, unspeakable. These are the things that God is saying and God is calling us back to get up, hallelujah, and take your rightful place. Get up, hallelujah, and recognize who I called you to be. The one thing that we have to understand, amen, the one thing that we need to understand is that our strengths are enabled when our weaknesses are disabled. Because just like the lame man, he couldn't do it on his own. He couldn't do it on his own. And like you and I today, we can't do it on our own. Someone say, I can't do it on my own. I can't do it on my own. Second Corinthians. Amen. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. My power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness. This was Paul. So that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in my weakness. In insults, hardships, and persecutions, and difficulties, when I am weak, then I am strong. It is through our weaknesses that we are made strong. It is through our weaknesses that we access his strength. When we realize that we cannot do it on our own. When the lame man realized that he could not do it on his own. When you realize that you can't get through what you're going through on your own. When you realize that things aren't working out the way they thought that you thought they would. God is saying, draw closer to me. Draw closer to me. I know you're hurting. I know you feel that pain. I know, but draw closer to me. Draw closer to me. I will give you strength. I will give you strength. And very quickly, this leads me to a second point because some of us, we got issues with our weaknesses. My second point is you've got to accept your ankles. You've got to accept your ankles, accept your weaknesses. The lame man, the Bible says that his ankles and feet didn't work. But did you, it did say nothing about his arms or his hands because the Bible said that he reached out. That, and that he asked for elms, which means his mouth worked, his brain worked, the full functionality of his body worked, 90% of his body worked, the other 10 didn't. And it is, isn't it a shame that one thing can ruin everything? The one thing that you're concerned about that nobody knows about, and you're so focused on it that you try to hide it. You try to hide it in your successes. You try to hide it in your degrees. You try to hide it, amen, in your overall life. You try to hide it on Instagram. Everything's fine. Everything's great. My life is lovely. Woohoo! And as soon as you take that picture and put your phone down, you start to weep and cry because it's not okay. It's not all right. Do you know that it's okay not to be okay? Because everybody's got something that doesn't work right. We've all got issues and hang-ups. 
We've all got things that we have to deal with consistently on a day-to-day. Sometimes our biggest battle is is ourselves. Because we don't like the fact that we have imperfections. I, I can't talk like that. I don't think like that. I can't sing like that. I can't do like that. So then you do nothing. And God is saying today, accept those things. Because those things are absolute. Those things mean nothing. Because when my strength comes over you, those things are dismissed. When my strength comes over you, those things are no longer a problem. They're no longer an issue. What do you mean? Well, just like Moses, when, it, when God told him to go to Pharaoh and tell him to let, the, let his people go, what did, what did Moses say? Well, I can't. I, I got a speech impediment. I, I can't speak right. I stutter. And the Lord said, go anyway. I'm going to give you the words to say. I'm going to give you the power to do what you got to do because the power is not within us. It's within him. And so he goes and he tells Pharaoh to let his people go. How about David? When he was down and out and everybody was against him. And everybody, his friends, amen, his, his, his comrades, the army wanted to come against David and kill him because they were blaming him. And David runs off into the cave of Adullam and nobody's surrounding him and nobody's with there. Nobody's there. David has to muster up the courage, the strength. And remember who his God was. Because the Bible said that he encouraged himself. He picked himself up. His strength changes the game. The perspective changes. Your life changes when your perspective changes about your weaknesses. This is why I don't let people tell me. I don't let people say, you can't do it. I don't let people tell me, well, you don't have this and you don't have that and you can't speak this. Well, that's fine. I know everything I don't have. But the one thing I do have. Come on, somebody. The one thing I do have is God Almighty. He's going to enable me. He's going to help me. He's going to. You have everything you need. If you would stop focusing on what you don't have and start focusing on what you do have, you will realize that you're weak because you are strong. Because when we are weak, we become vulnerable. And the only way that we can get to God is through our vulnerability. Is when we're vulnerable. Is when we finally come to an idea. We finally come to the end of the road and we say, God, I'm here now. I can't do it no more. Give me the strength. Give me the wisdom. Give me what I need. And by doing so, by understanding, amen, by understanding that your weaknesses are there to keep you strong, that your weaknesses are there to give you strength, you'll understand who you are. You'll understand that God didn't call you to be the lame man. God didn't call you to be the poor man. God didn't call you to be sick, to be down and out, to be distressed, to be in stress, to have anxieties. God didn't call us to live that type of life. God didn't call us to live in pain. God called us to be disruptors. God called us to do 
just the opposite. God called us to be witnesses. God called us to be his mouthpiece. Look at the difference. Now that we shift ourselves to Peter and John, and I'll end with this. We shift, and now the focus to Peter and John, when they come to the temple, because remember, before they got to the temple, and, and, and John, they were hiding. They were scared. They were hiding from the Jewish leaders. God had to come back and show himself to them and say, hey, everything's going to be okay. Just wait here. Hold here. Once you've been endued with power, you'll have what you need to go forward. You'll have what you need to continue. You'll have what you need to carry out the task that I called you to carry out. Before they got to the gate, before they met up with the lame man, they were scared. They had their moment of weakness. But we have to have a moment of weakness to be strengthened. They get to the gate and they look at the lame man and they see the lame man reaching up asking for money. And what I love about this is that they didn't look upon the, the, the lame man with pity. They didn't look up upon, they didn't look upon the lame man feeling sorry for him. They didn't look upon the lame man and say, oh, pobrecito, how long have you been this way? Sure, we'll give you some money. It'll be okay. That's not what they did. When they came upon them and they looked upon them, John looked at him and he said, hey. He said, look at us. He said, look at us. The Bible said that the lame man looked up and he fixed his eyes on him. And the reason why John did that was John did that so that the lame man could see. John, amen, did that so the lame man could see, hey, we're not like everybody else. We're not like the ones that carried you here. We're not the ones that are going to baby you. We're not the ones that are going to feed you and bring you food. We're not the ones that are going to have pity on you. No, we're not those. We're not the ones. We're the ones that were sent by God, hallelujah, to deliver you. We're the ones that were sent by God, hallelujah, that you would receive strength. There was boldness in John's command to the lame man. And the Bible says that when he said that, Peter told him to rise up and walk. And this is what I love about Peter. Is that when he looked upon the lame man and he heard John say that. And he didn't see that the, the, the immediate response. I'm almost certain the lame man kind of looked up and questioned what John was saying. Like, how? What do you mean? Well, uh, what do you mean? Can't you see? Can't you see where I'm at? I, my feet don't work. My ankles don't work. Yeah, but everything else works. So what did Peter do? Peter reached down and he snatched them up. And when he reached down and snatched them up, the Bible says immediately. Immediately. Someone say immediately. Immediately. The Bible said that his ankles and his feet strengthened. And he stood up for the very first time. Now you have to understand the power in this miracle. 
You've got to understand the boldness that took place, the disruption that took place in this lame man's life. Because in order for this lame man to be healed, his life had to be disrupted in such a manner, in such a way, with such boldness. You all know what muscle memory is, right? Mental memory, right? Our, our minds and our, and our bodies, we've, we've got the capacity to remember almost everything. Well, sometimes what we want to. But our, but our body, we've got, we've got muscle memory. And it is un, it is, it is un uh, comprehensive for us to think that the layman could just get up the way he did and be healed. Because the Bible says that he was lame from his mother's womb. Meaning that the lame man had no recollection. Someone help me. Thank you. The body, his mind, his, his bones, his joints, his muscles had no memory of walking. His tendons, the blood flow into his feet, Brother Martin, they had no memory of walking. His mind did not comprehend what walking does because he never walked. It was something he never did. You know, they say that if you learn to ride a bike, you'll never forget. Or how sometimes when we take those, uh, you know, you start off in the gym January 1st, and you go hard for like two days, and then you say, man, I'll pick it up next year. I got, I got a whole year to decide if I want to come back, right? And then we get back to it, and, and it's hard the first day. But then the mind starts to remember. The body starts to remember, and then, and then it gets easier. It gets easier. Well, the lame man, this, this didn't exist in his mind. This, this, it didn't exist in his body. It didn't exist in his muscles, in his tendons. It didn't exist. So how, 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 how can, can Peter and John show up? And Peter tell this man to get up. And then Peter being so impulsive because he couldn't wait for the miracle, he grabbed, reached down, and pulled him up. And immediately, the lights turned on. Immediately, what wasn't there, what did not exist, immediately, it became real. It existed. But for this to happen, Peter and John, they first had to go through a moment of weakness. And then God said in his word that they were empowered. He said that John baptized in water by water, but I'm going to baptize you with fire, with the Holy Ghost, with the Holy Spirit. They had to be filled. They had to be reminded of who they were. It wasn't until then that they were able to show up to the temple. Because another sign of a disruptor is that you have no fear. 
You're not afraid to confront the situation or the circumstance. The Bible said that they showed up at the hour of prayer, which means the temple was full. They were going to show up and meet with the people there to see if they could reconcile, to see if they could get them to understand and to believe that they made a huge mistake in walking away. They made a huge mistake in believing otherwise, that the God that they served was real and that they needed the same God. But you know what? When you're a disruptor and you have no fear and you allow the power of God to move through you like the way they did, they didn't have to lift a finger because the Bible says that the layman busted through the doors of the temple. And they all saw that he was healed. All God is trying to do, you can stand with me at this time. We need to be reminded of who we are. We need to be reminded that God is our help today. We need to be reminded that even though these things are taking place in and around our lives, we might be suffering for a little bit. You'll suffer for a little bit. You'll suffer for a little bit, for a little while. But then God's going to show up. And he's going to empower you so that you continue in the path. You, continue, you can continue in the path of righteousness. You can continue in your ministry. I don't know, but there's somebody here. There's somebody online. There's somebody here that's on the brink of saying, you know what, God, I, I just can't do it anymore. I can't. I can't do it anymore. This, this is too hard. It's too hard, God. This is too hard. I, I did what the preacher told me to do, and it didn't work. I done prayed a thousand hours, and I don't feel like you're hearing me, God. Lord, I feel weak. I feel tired, God. God, my pain is just, it's just too much, Lord. People are calling me left and right. I know they don't care. People are trying to help me, but they can't help me. I don't know where to go, and I don't know what else to do. You know, I'm speaking to the believer today, too. You ever heard the parable of the lost coin? Yeah, we sing, they play, we teach, we preach, we minister, but we're no different than you. You're no different than us. We're all the same. We go through the same things. We experience the same things. I've said that prayer before. Brother Kevin, I've hurt the same way you've hurt. God is saying, you got to remove those people out of your lives that just continue to carry you. They keep dropping you off at the bus stop, but they never come back to pick you up. You got to, you got to cut those people out of your lives. Stop picking up the phone when they call you. It's okay if you're weak. It's okay if you don't got it all together. 
It's okay if you're lonely. It's okay if the relationship didn't work out. It's okay if you if you feel that you can't make it. It's okay if you got fired. It's okay. Because when you accept that you're weak, you will realize that you are strong. Because his strength is made perfect in our weakness. And when we realize this, we realize who we are. We realize that God has called us to greater things, to greater heights. We realize that God has called us to be the disruptors that we are. God has called us to be like Peter and John, Paul, the apostles. God has called us, hallelujah, that one day you might be walking downtown somewhere, grabbing your cup of coffee. And you might look down upon a lame man. And this lame man might look up to you and say, hey, do you got some money? And that you would have the strength and that you would have the boldness. You would have the courage to say, I don't. But what I do got. I give to you in the name of the Lord.